Here we go. Broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia. You are now live from the Midnight Circus. This is Lahamadu. I got a great show for you today. Today, our featured artist is Alistair Green. He's got a brand new release out. We'll be listening to tracks from that. And of course, we'll be talking with Alistair at the top of the hour. You're not going to want to miss that interview. Now, this is the voice of Indie Blues. This is the show that brings you nothing but currently touring artists who are out there creating new, original music rooted in the blues. We embrace the diversity of music that always has and still is being created from those roots. Now, if you get a chance, stop by our website at makingascene.org. We got some great articles, CD reviews, artist interviews, and so much more. In the meantime, I have got some great new music I know you're going to love, and some great new artists I just can't wait to introduce you to. And of course, I aim to misbehave.
Don't 
Me 
sometimes I guess there just aren't enough rocks. But if you play with matches, you're just bound to get burned I never can be all that you desire I should know that a fool never learns Yes, I know Thing 
to break my fall There ain't no quelling my desire And I am slowly gone insane The gods of fate have spoken Put the locks upon these chains
Somebody fooled my baby last night Maybe evil I said, go ahead on, man, don't do that He made me evil He made me evil, y'all He made me evil Somebody told me Don't fool around, my baby
soldier riding by car on the street. Still said nothing. Made me Need your cheek, need somebody else. Can't help. 
he was hit by a truck and you were lying out in that gutter dying and you had time to sing one song huh one song
Somewhere somebody's fallen in love It's a perfect sunny day Somewhere there's a heart breaking Left out in the pouring rain Whoa! 
You no longer have to hear the blues in a smoke-filled nightclub on the edge of town. It's a pleasant environment, but uh, but in the 21st century, uh, you know, you don't even have to leave the couch. Just turn on the TV and commercials or as theme songs. You will see and hear the blues are everywhere. I'm Elwood. I've seen you around It didn't take long To figure it out You finally left Oh, what's his name? 
artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. 
We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the indie revolution. And now, here is an indie blues double shot from our featured artist today, Alistair Green. And stay tuned for that interview. It comes up right after these songs. and fear Come on down to the mission And fear 
was Alistair Green from his brand new release, and we got Alistair on the line. Hey, Alistair, how you been? I'm good, man. Thank you for having me back on the show. It's been a little bit. Yeah, it's been a while since you've been on the show. Um, you know, uh, we always like to get things rolling by giving our fans this opportunity to really get to know who you are as an artist, and you have such a rich history. Um, so give us the story of Alistair Green. Oh, man, like, so, well, the, the condensed version. <laughs> um, well, you know, I was born in Southern California and, you know, grew up listening to Mom's record collection of the Beatles and Stevie Wonder and whatnot. And when I got into, like, junior high or so, I started kind of discovering my own music. So I got into, like, the hard rock of the time, uh, you know, Van Halen and Ozzy and, and stuff. And I was grew up in Southern California, so close to the L.A. scene that was happening at the time. And, and I'd played musical instruments, you know, coming up, piano and saxophone, but I started playing guitar in high school when I was a uh, freshman. And, you know, learning some of that stuff. And then when I turned, I don't know, 17 or so, a friend of my dad's loaned me some blues records. Uh, you know, some B.B. King, Johnny Winter, Steve Ray Vaughan, Buddy Guy, Allman Brothers. And that's when really things kind of coalesced for me as far as, like, really kind of realizing that a lot of the stuff that I was listening to, you know, had its roots in that music. And so, you know, you can trace, you know, a lot of these, you know, hard rock acts all the way back to, you know, Helen Wolf and Muddy Waters and, and, and further back if you want. And so that's really kind of where I started focusing a lot of my attention as a guitar player and whatnot. And I, you know, I was into a lot of other things. And so, you know, I just started playing a lot of guitar. I went to the Berklee College of Music for a couple of years at a high school on a scholarship. And then I came back to California and started playing in bands. And somewhere around 1998 or 99, I kind of formed my own sort of blues rock band as Power Trio. So my my namesake band goes back to the late 90s, which is however many years ago now. And, you know, band members have changed uh, a lot over the years, but the mission has stayed the same, which was basically to find a way to show appreciation for blues and the rich history that music has and incorporating you know, just what I, you know, come from as, as, a, as a rock and roll guy. So, you know, blues rock is the umbrella that you would find me under, I suppose. And uh, along the way, you know, I've kind of, you know, done a bunch of sideman stuff that wasn't necessarily uh, related to the blues. I played with Alan Parsons and the Alan Parsons Live Project from 2010 to 2017. He was the engineer on Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon and then started a solo career in the mid-70s. And I've done a little bit with, with Starship featuring Mickey Thomas, who's, he has, you know, he has some blues roots. He was in the Elvin Bishop band and, and, and sang, you know, Fooled Around and Found Love, as well as all the hits from the 80s that, that Starship and Jefferson Starship were known for. And I also toured with Sugar Ray Rayford, uh, I think 2018 for about a year. And so I was, you know, doing my thing all along, but you know, kind of had these forays into being a sideman, uh, you know, here and there playing a bunch of different kinds of music and, and traveling and touring. And in the last, the last few years, I've been, you know, back focusing on my band and, uh, you know, I started making records 20 something years ago and finally, sort of unlocked the record deal key and or record deal door, I should say. And, you know, I signed with Delta Groove in 2014 and put out a record with them. And I did a couple records with Ripcat. Uh, and then uh, two or three years ago, I signed with Tab and Waz label, Whiskey Bayou Records. And we put out a record called The New World Blues in 2020. 
and toured that. And when we were in Chicago, we recorded some shows, and, and this is what my new record is. It's a live record from Chicago. Uh, it's called Live in the New World. It's songs off of the New World Blues, and Tab's on drums. Tab produced it and mixed it and, and helped write some of the songs that were on the studio record and whatnot, and his bass player, Corey, plays bass. And, and it's a lot of fun. It's actually kind of neat to listen to the studio record and then listen to the live version. That, that were recorded, you know, you know, after the fact. And so that's that's why we're here. We're talking about the new record. Okay. I think that was a, a pretty that was a pretty condensed version of, yeah. the, of yeah, my history. Kind of breeze right through that. <laughs> now, uh, let's talk about, you know, putting out a live record. What was kind of the uh, that mindset that you guys kind of when you're sitting in the room saying, "Hey, let's do a live recording." What what was that that conversation? Well, you know, honestly, there really wasn't. It was, we were going to Chicago, and I found out, uh, you know, we did five nights in a row at the City Winery in Chicago, and I was opening for Tab on tour, and I opened for him, uh, you know, since it's his label, and he's the guy that played drums on the studio record. It's 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 a really cool thing. I, I open for him. He plays drums, you know, in, in my band, I guess you could say. I tab him as the drummer in my band when I go on tour with him, and and Corey played bass, and I didn't really know until we got there that they were going to be recording the shows. So I just made sure that, you know, I, I you know played every night and mixed up the set list a little bit, so had enough songs for the live record. There really wasn't much uh, discussion about it. It was like, hey, they're recording these shows. Looks like we'll have a live record. And so uh, you know, when there was a break in his schedule, I went down and we mixed the record uh, the about a year ago and so yeah i mean it was kind of a spontaneous thing it just sort of manifested out of nowhere and next thing you know i've got this cool live record so cool now um let's talk a little bit about you as a songwriter because that's one of the things that i think you're well known for um when you sit down to start that process what what really kind of gets the the juices flowing and allows you to tap into the muse well, a few things will happen. You know, sometimes I'll hear something and I'll start messing around on the guitar. I usually, it's interesting, when I know that I'm going to make a record and that I have to come up with material, I'll spend a couple of days just going back and listening to a lot of stuff that I love to get ideas. So, and that could range from, you know, like I meant, you know, some of the Chicago guys, you know, Helen Wolf, Muddy Waters, or, you know, some blues rock guys. So I'll listen to some things and I'll just kind of get some ideas and some riffs and some maybe some forms that I haven't done uh, in the past. And I'll just kind of start riffing around. And if there's things, you know, on the that are going on in the world, I'll just maybe catch some phrases here and there for song titles. Or you never know when you're going to find a song title. Something could happen in everyday life and someone says something uh, and file it away for a song title. And so I, I lean very heavily, you know, on my blues influences, but also as someone that grew up listening to rock and roll, uh, you know, there's, I try to, depending upon the song, put a little bit of what I would, would refer to as like a chorus, you know, in, in some of these songs. And I, even from a very far, you know, the beginning of my, my you know, getting into blues rock and wanting to be a blues rock artist, one of my missions was always really, I really want to take the feel and the vibe of all this blues music, but I also want to have some sort of a hook occasionally, have a chorus. You know, when you listen to like a Beatles song, it'll have a verse and a pre-chorus and a chorus, or it'll have a bridge. And while I don't do that on every single song, 
I like to throw that in there every once in a while just because it's it's something I grew up with. I'm used to that sort of form of songwriting. You know, it's, I guess you could say it's a formula in a way as well. And so I kind of try and balance the two. I try and balance, you know, playing, you know, you know, rocking blues and, and really paying my respect to, you know, the guys that, that and gals that started that music. And then I also like to slip in some of my rock and roll influences. And, and you know, hopefully I come up with, you know, 10 or 12 songs that will sound good together on a record. <laughs> okay. Now, um, you know, a, a lot of songwriters have embraced some of that technology that's out there today as, as tools in their toolkit, you know, the cell phone or a home recording studio. Uh, what are some of the tools you found to be indispensable to you as a writer? I learned how to use Logic, which is one of the recording platforms that uh, the people have been using. It's a digital you know, interface that, you know, you download to your computer, you know, a popular one was called Pro Tools and, and I've done some records on Pro Tools, but I didn't really learn how to use it. And the last few records I did, uh, when I am in California, before I signed with Tabs label, I did with a guy named Sean McHugh and he runs Logic in the studio. And over the course of recording with him a couple of times, I was like, man, this looks like I might be able to figure this out. So I downloaded it and learned how to use it, and it's it's you know Apple based, and so very quickly I just learned how to demo songs, and it was really. And besides doing that, it's really it's also helped me play on other people's records remotely. Like I can play on people's records from my house, you know, because I've just you know I have a computer and the software that I know how to use, and that's really kind of one of my main tools when it comes to fleshing out a song, is demoing it. You know, every once in a while I'll have an idea and I'll get my phone and I'll go into the, you know, recording section and, and write, you know, write down a riff or I'll open up my phone and write down some lyrics and stuff like that. But when it comes to actually demoing a song, I'll use Logic. And yeah, man, it's, it's, it's really helped me start, you know, getting things down on paper, so to speak, like being able to record and have the song kind of come to life in that way. And then you can give it to the guys that you're going to go record it, you know, in the studio with. And it's, it's, Great. I, I, I can't say enough good things about being able to use uh, a recording platform like that. Nice. Now, um, of course, every songwriter gets to that point where they have to kind of uh, allow the song to move from the writing phase into production. Uh, and I know, you know, uh, you a lot of these songs you did for your uh, studio album, now you're doing them live. And you know, things always evolve. You know, you, they evolve when you get in the studio and then when you take them on the road, they evolve even further. But you have to, have to get to that point where you put the pen down and give it to the band and give it to the producer and allow them to kind of put their spin on it. How do you determine when a song is ready to move to that next phase? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, typically, if, you know, if I've got the you know the a riff and some chords and, and the lyrics. And the melody, like I feel like it's it's ready to be thrown into the into the rehearsal room or into the recording studio. So uh, you know that's typically when you know, it depends on the songs. Like some songs, I'll be a lot more particular about what I want to hear from the you know rhythm section and whatnot. And then other times, well, I mean, well, I'll just give you an example. This last studio record that I did with Tab, written a handful of songs. But I knew going in, you know, how he wanted to do the record. He wanted to basically do everything almost live, you know, like we recorded 
a lot of the stuff live. He wanted to basically learn the song there and then record it. And so there wasn't a lot of rehearsal. It was really just getting those initial instincts and that initial inspiration of being in the room and like, hey, here's a song, and then recording it. And that's a great way of doing stuff. I've done things the other way where I demo something and, and be really particular about having people play certain parts a certain way. But I knew I was going to benefit letting Tab and Corey kind of put their spin on things because it was a unique thing for me to be able to record with guys that were from Louisiana. So they were just going to have a different way of, of playing and interpreting things. And that really, I wanted to be open to that experience. So that's really this last studio record and even the line you can hear on the live record too is very kind of improvisational, very spirited. Uh, you know, we just, I would show then we'd record it and it was done. And you you can do recording a bunch of different ways. And this was a tab wanted to do it. And I really enjoyed it. I really liked the way that it came out. And on that same note, it's interesting to listen to the studio record where, you know, we literally just I in the songs and we recorded them. And then I'd go back and, and maybe, you know, redo a vocal or I'd, you know, maybe add a little acoustic guitar or, chord or maybe go fix a little bass thing. But it's pretty, you know, spontaneous. And then the line, listening to the live record, you know, we'd start playing the songs live. So they evolved a little bit. You know, they evolved some of the intros we often there's you know longer intros on some bummer we jam a little bit more in the solo section or you know, the dynamics would be a little bit different so you know music's a living breathing thing and it changes you know all the time once you start playing songs live and you know everything's just a snapshot anything that you listen to a studio record or a live record that's just a snapshot of a moment in time and you know even now you know i'm playing i've got i Austin now, and I've got some guys that are from here that are that are touring with me when I don't go for tab, and so the songs continue to evolve and change and sound a little bit different, even depending on who's playing. But okay, now let's talk a little bit, uh, you know, because I know this is a live album, but I'm always curious uh, about how artists, you know, work in that environment of the studio, because that's another creative process in itself. You know, having a good song is half that battle. Creating its identity in the studio is a whole new world. Um, what is your process when you get into a studio environment? What What do you like to do to kind of get the sound you want? Well, you know, it, it kind of depends on the studio itself. I've done things a bunch of different ways. Uh, you know, when I was recording in Southern California, last couple of records I did with Sean McHugh, we were all in the same room. Well, it's actually the same with Tab, but we were all in the same room. And, you know, we had, you know, maybe an amp in the, you know, in another room mic'd up and stuff. And, and so we, you know, you'd wear a head, you just want to be able to hear everything well in the headphones and, and, and be able to kind of see everybody and be able to have eye contact. And for me, it's important to at least get, the guitar sounding good. Anytime you listen to think through headphones, you know, you're losing a little bit of what it actually is going to sound like. Um, so you just kind of want to stay inspired and, and get as good of a sound through headphones as, as you can. So that's kind of an important thing for me. And just having a good vibe in the room is really what, you know, what you want. You want everyone to kind of show up and be positive and, and open and everyone be on their, you know, on their game. And it was the same with Tab. We were all in the, in the same room in his studio, he and Corey and I, and 
you want to get you know your headphones sounding good and then make sure everyone's in a good mood and then get after it you know it's it's uh it's it's not i mean to me it's i've I've done done it enough now where as soon as i feel like okay this is comfortable and you know i've got a guitar sound that i like and everyone's you know mic'd up and ready to go it's like well let's just start let's just start making it happen and start making you know start taking making takes and, and see if we can get something that that we can live with and move on and when you're playing with guys that have done it before you know and or have done it a lot it usually can go pretty quickly you know if, if everyone knows the songs and knows their instrument there's no i haven't really run into a situation in a long long time where you know it, it took more than two or three takes to get the music down you know i'll go back and fix stuff or i'll add things but but you know with this last studio record with tab i mean you know we got the drums and the guitars and and most of the bass and you know cut just a couple of takes and then we pick the best take and move on you know okay now um of course you're on tab's label and you got the opportunity to work with amy bratt from brat girl media um to kind of promote and get this out there tell me a little bit about that relationship well you know amy's got her own company the brat girl media and then she also works with different labels you know in, in different ways and and for the brat girl media you know, so she works for, you know, Whiskey Bayou Records, um, you know, for, with some of the artists. And I've worked with her on my last several records. And so for this record, she's doing, you know, uh, publicity, you know, interviews. She's, you know, set up this interview. She's doing press and radio. Uh, you know, so just she she basically can do everything. She And, and you know, she does... Um, radio and press for other labels she also does some social media for some labels and, and stuff like that so she's pretty much covers all bases as far as all that kind of stuff goes and and she does a great job you know she's knows her stuff she's got all the relationships with the magazines and the radio stations and all that kind of stuff and and she's done a great job for me for the last you know i want to say four or five words that i put out okay now you've been in the music industry for a good number of years and you've seen some of the changes that have happened in the industry especially as we entered into the digital revolution um, and you know the elephant in the room here is the consumer has embraced streaming as a way to consume music we're not going to change that I mean it's now there um, right. vinyl ain't going to save our asses you know no matter what anyone tells you um, once the CD players disappear and you can't, like I said, you can't go to Best Buy and buy a CD player anymore. You can't buy a new car with a CD player. So we have to deal with what we have. And um, the problem that I'm seeing is that the consumer no longer looks at recorded music as a product to purchase anymore. It's now a service, something that they expect free on their phone they if you if you're not on these services you're immediately uh discounted you know you're you're not relevant to the consumer um how has this shift in in uh perception by the consumer affected you as an artist well it just it, you know it really means you know selling you, know, you have to sell merchandise at the shows you know i mean music's kind of become you know, I guess, uh, like you said, it's sort of just the service that's that's streaming. I mean, some people will, will pay, you know, to let a record on iTunes, 
or uh, you know people still buy CDs at shows and you know part of it's maybe to have a souvenir a handful of people still have CD players I started uh, USB <laughs> USB uh, uh, cards with me with rec- some of my older records on them to sell at shows uh, yeah it's just it's very strange you know I mean obviously it, it's a you know you're not making as much money off of physical media anymore uh, unless it's at a show you're not making you know as much money off of uh, you know whatever you know downloads and stuff because people can get it for free people pay for a monthly subscription for spotify and they get everything for free so it's you know the only way to really kind of make that money back after you record the record is to is to sell physical physical copies of it at shows or just get you know tons and tons and tons of downloads and, you know, there are ways that people, you know, I guess, you know, modify or whatever the word is, uh, you know, with, with their YouTube channel or that and the other thing um, and whatnot. But, yeah, it's, I mean, it's just, it. I mean, to say it's unfortunate is just obvious, but it's like, like you said, there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, it's just, it is what it is at this point. And unless there's some sort of, you know, government regulations on what streaming platforms pay artists, you know, it's. I mean, I I feel helpless at the level I'm at. I mean, it's gonna. It would take you know, all the Bruce Springsteens of the world, you know, going to <laughs> Congress or something and demanding them to, you know, uh, you know, change how this this works. Um, but it is very strange. You know, I mean, I put out my first CD in you know 2000 or 2001. I really uh, released it independently. I released it, you know records independently for the first you know ten or so years of my you know recording career and. And I remember putting them up and, and seeing them being downloaded and getting like checks here and there. And, and you know, even 20 years ago, I remember seeing the dip in sales as, you know, things went, you know, digital. You know, you'd send, like, there's a company called CD Baby. I don't know if you remember them, but yeah. they were a great distributor for independent artists. And I've still got a couple uh, releases uh, that they've got some, you know, records of that they helped facilitate getting on iTunes and getting on, you know, the, now they get the people on streaming services and stuff. But originally, you know, you'd send them physical copies of your CD and then they'd, you know, sell it online. And it was kind of before Amazon. So you'd have a website and you'd have a link to CD baby per se. And so they'd ask, you know, every, you know, whenever you'd sell stuff, they go, oh, you know, send us five more CDs, send us 10 more CDs, because, you know, you're selling them and they're distributing them through their channels. And I remember just even in the first, you know, few years that I was putting out records, that physical copies went down drastically, you know, uh, through, you know, CD Baby started, you know, saying, you know, if you're a new artist signing up for just to only send them a couple of copies <laughs> to sell yeah, you know, one because they're you know their warehouse was getting full of you know more and more artists. You know, I mean that's the thing is there's more and more artists creating more and more product. You know, and so you know at this point it's just it's just an oversaturation also. You know, but uh, that's a another conversation maybe. But yeah, I mean it's it's what are you gonna do? I mean you have to go out and play. I mean the only real way to make, you know, money off of your recorded music and stuff is to go out and play. I mean, there are people that sit home and, and record on their phones and, and go on TikTok and, and Instagram and, and they're maybe they're able to modify it, but that's not why I started playing music to sit in front of my phone and, you know, get followers, you know, playing cover songs or whatever it is on, you know, social media. I started playing guitar so I could go play shows and record my songs, you know. Um, that's just, I'm not making a judgment call. If people want to 
sit in front of their phone and record stuff and put it up on Instagram and whatnot, that's great. But that's, you know, that's not why I started playing guitar. I played guitar to play shows and write songs and make records. Right, right. (laughs) If you kind of look at at streaming, um, you know, with the amount of monies that that are being distributed to the artists, um, and then you look at the industry as a whole, there was this article in Billboard where it stated that only 12% of all the income that's generated by the music industry actually gets back to the artist. And that's a really bad statistic. Um, it has to really change. We have to change that dynamic. Um, because, you know, the amount of monies that streaming provides the artist is not a sustainable uh, business model. You can't continue to ask artists to go into studios, pay for musicians and, and producers and engineers and studio time and all of that is involved with PR and so on and so forth and not at least give them the opportunity to break even. So we need something to kind of uh, change that dynamic, to kind of give the artist the opportunity to make more income off of their work. Um, do you see anything coming in the future that could possibly change that? I, you know, I, I don't. I mean, I, you know, right now, you know, that my, my focus, you know, is on, you know, continuing to write and, and record the shows. But as far as like what could change, I mean, it would take some sort of, you know, it would take changing some laws on, on, <laughs> I mean, I don't remember, do you remember, I don't know how long ago it was where there was the big Napster lawsuit i think metallica sued napster or whatever it was because it was a file sharing service right and you know i mean i don't know how long ago that was now and i remember that being kind of like the first time i was like wow this is weird like there's these ways that people are sharing music for free and you know back in the old days you know, you someone would buy a record and 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 you'd borrow their record and you'd make a cassette copy of the record so like that, you know, is a primitive way of, you know, yeah, so you paid however much for a record, then you loan it to your friend, and then they make a copy for free. And so I get, you know, that this has been happening on some level for a long time. You know, people have been, you know, I don't even, or you did that too, you know, or you make a mixtape, or you do this and the other. So, like, you know, the playlist is just a, you know, the Spotify playlist is just a glorified mixtape, you know, or mix, you know, CD thing. As far as changing that now, man, I don't know. I mean, it would take some sort of legal, you know, you know some laws being put into effect to uh, to change, you know, how people are able to, you know, get music. But what the Napster thing showed us, I think, is that there's ways that people are going to work around that if they really want to, you know. So, I mean, there's always going to be someone out there who has the ability to steal the intellectual property of a musician. I mean, you know, it's out uh, there. You know, even if you record it off the radio or you record it off a, a podcast or whatever the case may be. But, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned Napster because that was kind of the the beginnings of that whole digital revolution that we're in now. Yeah, you know, yeah, Because when Napster was out there and when, you know, uh, I think it was Metallica that, or who was it? That, yeah, it was that, Metallica that... That was that sued Napster for you know whatever right. it was. Well, everyone yeah. said you know you can't stop Napster. It's too big. It's too widespread. Uh, you're never going to stop it. And then along comes Apple. Mm-hmm. You know, and they have mm-hmm. iTunes and they have the iPod. You know, the iPod. You know, mm-hmm. and, and then of course everyone's getting ninety nine cent downloads and 
Napster seemed to have fallen by the wayside. And then all of a sudden, Spotify comes along. You know, and the idea is that it constantly changes. The technology changes, the uh, consumer moves and, and flows within the industry to these new technologies as they come out. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching some new stuff that's happening. Uh, one of which is the um, uh, streaming services that are being developed that utilize the blockchain, which is that software technology that secures cryptocurrency. And the whole idea of that is to decentralize the music industry. In other words, take away uh, all these distributors and aggregators. And, you know, every time you put out a record, you know, there's six people in line with their hands out looking for a piece of that. It's to get rid of that and give you a direct fan to artist connection. And Mm -hmm. they're claiming that they can pay artists up to 80% of the incoming revenue. Um, there's uh, sites like Audius, which are up and running right now, that are backed by Katy Perry, Jason Derulo, uh, Pusha T. Uh, then there's um, uh, Emanate, and there's Audio Locks, which is uh, due to launch, I think, in the next 30 days or so. So there is technology coming down the pike that could give us the ability to at least... Um, have the uh, the chance to break even on a recorded project, or at least mm-hmm. make some money. Now, right, right, right. There is this other side of this technology too, where artists are actually selling um, pieces of their songs to their fan base, utilizing this NFT technology, which is also based on the blockchain. There's mm-hmm. a site called Royal.io that allows you to kind of create um, these NFTs that represent either a small percentage of your streaming royalties or a small percentage of, let's say, your publishing royalties mm-hmm. of, of a song. Um, one of the rap artists did this, Naz. He took two songs out of his current release and he made enough of these NFTs to cover one half of the streaming royalties on each of these two songs and he sold it to his fan base and was able to generate almost $600,000 in upfront income. Mm -hmm. And now these things can be traded on the open market. They're bought and sold. So if someone decides to sell their percentage of one of his songs, he gets a commission off of that in perpetuity. Mm Mm-hmm. So this is another way where there is a direct fan-artist relationship that allows the the fans to actually become investors in a song they like or in an artist they they like. Yeah, I think that I think that'd be cool for the fans. I mean, the fans aren't going to make any money off of it. It's more of a it's more of the fans feeling like they're part of something, you know, because. Yeah, the NFT thing, I mean, I, I, we had a, I had a conversation about this recently. I mean, the NFT thing's really, I mean, it's you're, there's nothing tangible. You're not actually buying or investing in anything tangible. It's just kind of to say that you've got, if you really have to be a big fan of something to, to invest in an NFT because there isn't really anything. It's an, I, don't think, I don't think they would go up in value. I mean, that's at least the, 
the conversation I have was like, well, there's not really anything to go up in value. It's just you're just a fan of something, and it's just nice to have a piece of it, you know, or whatever it is. Um, you, you definitely, well, if you're buying a piece of, of uh, uh, royalty on a, on a song, I mean, there's a, that's a tangible product. Uh, in fact, uh, Joe Bonamassa did one where um, you got a uh, unique song that mm-hmm. he recorded that's not available anywhere else. And in addition, the purchaser of that NFT got a uh, vintage um, Les Paul from his collection. Oh, interesting. <laughs> so, I yeah. mean, the NFT itself is more of a representation or a certificate of authenticity mm-hmm. of the product that is attached to it. Right. So, you know, it's just like a stock certificate. A stock certificate alone is not a tangible item, but it represents a tangible item. It represents yeah. your ownership of a, you know, a percentage of that company. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I see this as a potential future where the industry is not controlled by large corporations and record companies, but more a direct artist fan relationship that is, right. you know, fostered through, you know, artists branding themselves and, and getting their fan base to engage. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think. I mean, you have to. I think you'd have to be a sizable enough artist for that to really have an effect. I mean, the the advantages of you know the streaming thing is you do get your music out there and you are able to reach a lot of people. But you know, like you said, there's not like a big revenue stream there. But in order to get a revenue stream from what you're talking about NFTs, you have to have that fan base to begin with for it to really make you know, make a difference in your financial life. You know what I mean? Kind of like, like, of course, like, you know, like Bonamassa is going to make money off of that or, you know, uh, you know, a rap artist or something like that. But I think, you know, for blues artists, you know, or blues rock artists or anyone kind of below a certain, you know, popularity line, you know, that stuff is, you know, is is or isn't going to have as much of an effect as it would on, you know, somebody like you mentioned that, that sold royalties for a song and made six hundred thousand dollars you know i mean that's 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 not i don't think that's going to happen for the the independent or you know blues rock artist unless they're like like you said joe bonamassa or something like that now uh one of the things i've seen uh as the you know especially when the pandemic hit is a lot of artists went on the internet and they started Mm -hmm. doing live streams and creating content and as we continued with that you know it got to be like three years These artists started to get really sophisticated in utilizing social media and utilizing content to kind of give their fans almost um, a reality show kind of feel uh, by getting to giving them access to their world and kind of feeding them kind of branding information to kind of get them invested in the artist. What are some of the things that you're using in, you know, in social media and content that's helping you promote your brand and getting your product out? Well, uh, you know, during the first, you know, whatever year or so of, of the lockdown, if you want to say, you know, March, whenever that was, March, what was it, 2020, mm. um, you know, I, I uh, invested a little bit in uh, a service that helped me broadcast live. I bought a 
camera from my computer and and I would broadcast. I had something called Throwdown Thursday. Yes, so every Thursday I'd go online and do like an hour show. I'd play some music. I'd talk about music. I you know we, we even got into like you know talking about food. I mean I kind of had just a hour long show on Thursdays and I had a virtual tip jar and 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 that was a way that I could kind of stay connected with with the fans and and play some music and it was a good outlet. Um, you know, I haven't, you know, once I was able to go back out on tour, I went back out on the road and started doing shows in April, 2021. Uh, yeah, I went and did a, a tour with my friend Orphan John. I went out on tour with Tab. I started touring with my band. So once that started, I, you know, kind of let the online performances go. But as far as social media goes, you know, I, you know, I mean, I make videos to promote shows. Uh, you know, you can, you know, I've, I'm on all the different platforms. I have a, I have a Twitter, I have an Instagram, I have a Facebook, I have a TikTok, I've got a YouTube channel. And so, you know, I kind of go to all those and, and, you know, kind of circulate my content. I'll make videos or graphics. Uh, you know, you can, you know, make little videos with, with music and stuff like that and, and whatnot. And so it's, you know, it's just kind of part of how you promote now, um, you know, a lot of the a lot of the platforms like Facebook or Instagram, if you want to, you know, reach more people, they ask that you pay. So you have to, you know, kind of figure out what your budget's going to be to promote on social media. And so, if I'm playing in, you know, St. Louis on on a Friday, I'll make a video talking about the venue that I'm playing and where you can find tickets and stuff. And 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 then you'll, you know, put it on your Facebook page and then you go in and you sponsor the app and you kind of pick the demographic that you want it to appeal to. And then, you know, the city that you want it to, uh, you know, be targeted towards. So, you know, I mean, it's still, you know, an investment, but it's, 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 it, but it's cool because it's not, you know, in the old days, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm old enough to have, you know, put up flyers, you know, draw, you know, if my band was playing in LA, we'd drive down to LA and have a staple and then a bunch of, you know, flyers and, 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 you know, staple them up on, you know, we didn't do that a ton on telephone poles or, you know, so, I mean, I, you know, come from that or you'd, you know, call newspapers or you'd, you know, send stuff out. So the way that you promote has changed. I mean, the newspapers obviously still exist, but so many things are online now that, uh, you know, the, the, the print thing, you know, with the exception of a handful of, of magazines and, and newspapers, you know, a lot of stuff's just online, and, and because it's online, you know, that's another way that the online outlets, you know, the social media outlets or whatever, you know, they, you know, kind of charge you to, if you really want to try and promote something, and uh, so that's kind of how, you know, I mean, I, you know, I'm I'm fairly active on social media, I, you know, do a lot of my, you know, do my own posts and a lot of, a lot of my own graphics, and and videos and stuff like that. And it's just kind of part of being an artist now until you can truly afford to pay someone to do everything for you. You, you know, you do it yourself. DIY, man. Yeah. Tell me about it. You know, I, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, it's well, man, thanks for pleasure. having me. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it, man. Always good talking to you. Oh yeah. And, uh, you know, we're going to give everyone out there in Indie Blues double shot from your new release. You guys are going to love this. Just turn it up loud. You know what? Screw those guys.
rock the shade Gonna scream my name Make you shout now, honey Gonna make you whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution. But you won't give me the time 
perfect tune Play roulette in Monte Carlo Just say I can bet on you But we ain't going no, nowhere Woman, much to mine Picture 
suppose But I swear I'm just a sucker For her funny monkey toes Got a fine sense of humor You even laugh at my bad jokes But you'll shake her head and groan If it's at all one that she knows Then she'll throw her leg upside me And pitch me with a wild monkey toes Ow, those monkey toes Got 
the road Can't get up and fly from the weight of the load And old tiger mama lie low in the woods She got a heavy heart, ain't doing too good I did 110 Took all my stuff and packed it in Just me Yeah, no one by my side I don't know where I was going But I knew I had to ride 
perfect place I'll stop to rest Here's the blue scale. Now you sing it with me. Breathe. Now let's try it like this. Take them to keep them coming in. I break them, yeah, I lead them on. The need is strong, and you are gone. I'm not sleeping without you, and I'm not thinking without you, without you. Oh. And this regret about you. And I got secrets about you Without you And in day to steal through the lightning Creeping in out of bars All of 
On that day may never come. I'll call upon you to do a service for me. But uh, until that day, accept this justice as a gift on my daughter's wedding day.
You no longer have to hear the blues in a smoke-filled nightclub on the edge of town. It's a pleasant environment, but uh, but in the 21st century, uh, you know, you don't even have to leave the couch. Just turn on the TV and commercials or as theme songs, you will see and hear the blues are everywhere. I'm Elwood. Drunk starts talking about Jesus. Walls of Jasper, streets made of gold. He gets low, starts whispering with the devil about selling his soul at the crossroads. Yeah, he's good and he's kind and he loves his family. Every creature God created, even a wretch like me. When he talks, he brings hope to a stranger. And when he moves, I'm hearing love's getting on. Baby, take my hand. And when he sings, it's like a voice of an angel. But when he
the key Oh, don't you run down the bridge You might want to come back Cause the grass ain't no green night On the other side of the track Before I could get to bed All the things are out the Chevrolet Tomorrow night a Cadillac Oh, but don't you burn down the bridge You just might wanna come back Baby Cause the grass ain't no greener On the other side of the track Kicking under my hood yeah. I met my baby in a used car lot I drinking cheap wine and a throwing rocks A man on four wheels, baby, you know that 
said, I got it. Shaking like a leaf right here in my pocket. I said, listen here, baby, just a chopping on wood. Eight slapping pistons kicking under my hood. Says we're over. 
pain in the hall I'll understand yeah. But if your new life
situations getting done just for the purpose of fun. Leave the trouble alone and use your dome for the good For the Lord will only bring you joy. It's time for love and peace when there's hatred and no affection.
that's it. That's my show for tonight. I hope you enjoyed yourself. I hope you heard some artists that you didn't know about and enjoyed some artists that you did. And remember, all of these artists that I played on this show are out there right now, touring and creating new original music rooted in the blues. If you want to keep the blues alive, you have to support the artists who are out there creating that new music. Because it is a living art form that is being performed every single night somewhere in the world. So, if you get a chance, stop by our website at makingthescene.org. You can find out about some great new artists and the ones that we played on this show tonight. Add them to your playlist. And you can discover them on our website. So, till next time, this is Lahamadu. Tech, I'm out of here. Baby, just gone away. Activates left home with my friend. I gone, lost my dog, I'm alone. Just fought somebody. I mean, found it funny. I got knocked in the head, man, by old friends. Now lying here, think I'm dead.